0: Closing in on 250 episodes, you realize that?
1: No, and I put the episode number in the email that I sent to you, which is crazy. <laughs> still, but I should have put,
0: Still didn't, didn't, didn't dawn on you?
1: Yeah, I should have put 248 and 2 together and realized where we are
0: <laughs> Well, we're getting there. We're getting close. <laughs> I thought I'd say that and you'd be like, yeah, can you believe it? That is nuts. But, you know, we're no. uh, to each their, their own count. Maybe I'm just living too far in the future. It's, you know, it's, we got to live every day as though it's uh its own special gem, a diamond, if you will, like a baseball yes. diamond. I
1: okay. mean, the way I look at it is that this is a baseball podcast, not a counting podcast. So that is true. That I was focused on everything else going on or, and not uh, the count.
0: Or an accounting podcast, which sounds like the most boring thing on the planet. Uh, no offense to accountants who tune in. We love you. <laughs> or accounting podcast. Or accounting podcast, I guess. Um, and hey, with that, we welcome you into this week's episode of the show before the show from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Von. Sam Dykstra is in the sunshine state of Florida with uh, a few days already under your belt for spring training. What did you get there?
1: What did I get? When did, when did you get there? Oh, when did I get here? I was like, what did I get? I got a when lot of stories. I I got some quotes, I so got an interview. Uh no, I got here on Saturday. Um you know, flew down here took my time went went on sunday to the dolly museum in st petersburg I, I highly recommend it if anybody ever gets a chance uh went to st pete beach which was kind of neat and then yeah rolled into things on monday with Phillies camp and then tiger's camp on tuesday and just finished up just before this podcast at twins camp here on wednesday so uh yeah things have been rolling pretty quick after i got here saturday
0: Very cool. We are going to dive into this week's stuff on the show before the show, Uh, but before we do... The day has come. 92 teams, more than 450 games, and countless celebrations of U.S. Hispanic communities across minor league baseball. Copa de la Diversión is back and bigger than ever in 2020. Find your favorite Copa team, check out their newly unveiled on-field looks, and purchase tickets at MILB.com slash Copa. That's MILB.com slash Copa. Copa de la Diversión uh, back for a new year. We got awesome logos and names and uniforms and all that kind of stuff Uh and you you can get your tickets right now and we will continue to remind you of that fact as the season gets closer and closer and uh we'll dive into three strikes on this week's episode obviously there are uh, a whole lot of things going on in the world we're going to try to focus on some fun baseball stuff as we kick off this week's show. And uh, we're going to start in spring training with uh, a rite of every mid-March passage, which is that for Strike One this week, we're going to talk about some guys who have already been reassigned to minor league camp. Major league camp comes with a uh, large swath of prospects uh, who are included in major league invites to spring training. And then as the month goes along, we see those prospects begin to be dispatched back to minor league camp. Sam, early on, who are the notable reassigners? assignments that you've uh, had an eye on over the last few weeks
1: yeah and, and I'll get to that here in a second because there are definitely a, a lot like Tyler just said we are in that stretch run now where it feels like every day some camp is you know optioning or reassigning players um, but one thing to note about this because it's been per, pervasive in just the last week in the last couple days that I've been here in Florida is that people call it cut day and I get that and I totally understand it but uh, cut day makes me think of major league Uh, Remember, there was a whole thing about like the
0: red, the red ticket in your locker.
1: Exactly. Uh, And everybody was worried about cut day. And I get that you want to be in the major leagues. But the bulk of people we're going to talk about here in this segment aren't cut. I I don't want to phrase it that way. They're not. It is.
0: That's a tough uh, turn of phrase because it's not really the way it applies. It's not like an NFL training camp.
1: No, not by any means. These are not. You know, these guys are non-roster invitees. They're not on the roster to begin with. Um, They're being reassigned or or optioned if they're already on the 40-man roster. Um, But they're going back to minor league camp, and if it's happening now, this was expected. I mean, there aren't any huge surprises that have happened so far. Uh, The only surprises that are... Happening are ones in which we thought, oh, I thought that guy might be in big league camp for just a little while longer to get that experience. But uh the names that we're talking about just today, Christian Pache was sent back to Gwinnett. Nobody was expecting the Braves to hold on to him, obviously, with the the outfield that they have right now. Uh JJ Blade, Jazz Chisholm, and Jesus Sanchez were sent back by the Marlins yesterday. Uh the Giants sent back Joey Bart, the Mariners sent back Julio Rodriguez. Uh you know, these are just guys getting reassigned. It's not any worry. And one other thing I want to point out, too, that will happen um, is you'll hear guys get optioned to a specific place. That's kind of just a paper move at this point. Um, you know, I think the Braves, when they made their moves, they announced that William Contreras is being optioned to Triple A Gwinnett. Uh, William Contreras being a pretty good catching prospect in that system uh, now on the 40-man roster because they believe in his bat. They believe in his overall profile. There's a hope That, you know, despite having some pretty other good catchers in that system, Shea Langoliers being one of them, that Contreras could someday be the catcher of the future. Great. He's just because he got optioned to triple a Gwinnett does not mean that he's going to start the year there i think he's actually going to start the year at double a mississippi uh where he had some struggles at the end of last year they also have alex jackson in that system they're going to need both of those guys to get at bats so when you hear some of the transactions and you think oh that guy's moving to triple a that seems aggressive don't look into it too hard uh the tigers had a couple the other day as well uh sometimes it, it it'll make you raise your eyebrow and make you think twice about why is so and so player uh, moving to double A instead of triple A. And maybe it's a team showing its hand that can happen. uh, But don't look too much into it. Like Franklin Perez got optioned all the way down to class A advanced Lakeland. I, I don't know where he's starting the year, and I know he's he's dealt with a lot of injury issues. Um, I think that's just a roster space situation. Even at AAA and A, AA, the rosters can only have so many names. Uh, so sometimes you, you drop a guy down because, it, you know, you know it's not going to hurt his ego to know that he's going to be at Lakeland. Uh, for Franklin Perez, that certainly counts in that aspect. Uh, we'll have to see where he starts out the year. We're going to talk about the Tigers here in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, you know, other names that we've – haven't talked about yet for, for reassignments and options. Uh, you know, six to Sanchez getting optioned by the Marlins, not a big surprise. Adley Rutschman got reassigned by the Orioles on March 6th. Nobody's expecting him to start out the year in Baltimore. I he's kind of falls under that category of th- somebody. I thought they would stretch out to, you know, deeper into March, but this is his first string spring training. Uh, he's he doesn't even know what minor league spring training looks like yet he needs to get those at bats on the backfields he was mostly coming in for mop-up duty a pinch hit at bat here and there uh i don't even know if he caught that much really this spring uh so getting him onto the backfields getting him to work with the pitchers that he's actually going to be working with as a catcher probably starting out at class a advanced frederick is a good thing uh even if this feels like cuts even if you see some other people call these cuts they're not cuts by any means they're just getting guys into places where they can play real minor league games and or well you know preparatory minor league games on the backfields against the competition that they're actually going to be facing when the year and the season begins
0: Strike two this week, uh, the Detroit Tigers, one of the most interesting systems in minor league baseball. We discussed um, some of their uh, pitching talent the last couple episodes as we broke down our minor league system rankings, and that is topic number two this week. There is kind of a logjam of pitching talent in that system, uh, and Sam, right now, obviously it's a very good problem to have, but what does that problem look like for the Tigers with Casey Mize and everyone else?
1: Yeah, so it, it... The the way I wrote this is because I went to Tigers camp yesterday wondering, and I know it's too far out. We're talking here on March 11th, minor league opening day as I think April 9th. Uh, we're not even a month out yet. Nobody I talked to this week is going to tell me exactly where so-and-so is starting. I know that's going to happen. Uh, I've been to enough spring trainings now, but the Tigers, they have some really good pitching prospects. We know that Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubel, uh, Joey Wentz, Alex Fado, four of those guys, everybody but Wentz is still in major league camp. Wentz just got sent down uh, or reassigned rather, but he's been dealing with a forearm issue. I've been told he's back throwing again, so it's it's not going to be a worrisome thing for him on opening day. But they need to, him to start ramping up, and they want to do that on the backfields. OK, great. All five of those guys ended last year at double eight year. Now, it's easy to say, given their results, given their stuff, given their whole profiles, that they should move up to AAA Toledo. That's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, the the Tigers made some signings to, to bring veterans in for potential depth at the A level. Uh, they have other decent prospects. Bo Burrows comes to mind as somebody who spent all last year or most of last year in the AAA Toledo starting rotation. There just aren't going to be enough spots to bring up the big five, as I call them. Uh, and slot them right with the mud hens so how do these decisions get made uh again the tigers aren't going to tell me right now who they're eyeing to start in toledo especially when those guys are still in big league camp uh but the way i kind of look at it or well let's go back to how the decisions made dave littlefield uh in player development uh talked to me yesterday and he said it's actually a whole organization approach, uh, especially with these guys coming back from Major League Camp. Rob Garden, Gardenhire uh, is actually more involved in that than you would expect, which I don't know. kind of surprised me uh, that, you know, Ron Gardenhire being the Major League manager has a say in where these guys are going to go. The reason for that being is he's seen them. You know, he's going to want them next. He, he wants to know how far they're going to away they're going to be, how far away they look right now, Uh, but Al Avila, uh, David Chad, even pitching coach Rick Anderson, uh, lots of people are going to be involved in where these guys go. Okay, so put that aside. Now, my educated guess, uh, reading the tea leaves, reading Thing, you know hearing things in my conversations and looking at performance of these guys i think matt manning's probably going to toledo he was the eastern league pitcher of the year last year spent all of last year double a he feels ready for a promotion sending him back is just treading water uh joey wentz spent all of last year in double a split time between the braves and the tiger system obviously getting traded in the shane green deal uh but he Again, really ended on a solid note, made some real improvements, especially in the control department when he moved to the Tigers. Another year in double A, I don't think is going to help him. What he showed there at the end, uh, you know, with the Erie Seawolves was looking like somebody who needed the next challenge, needed to face triple A bats. So I think right now we're looking at Manning and Wentz probably going up. I would also put Fado in that discussion all of last year at double-A. Uh, some real improvements for him after he dropped in his first full season. Uh, stock seems to be ticking back up with him. The velocity seems a little bit back there. Uh, also put up some decent numbers there at, in the Eastern League. That would leave Mize and Scooble to go back. Now, those two guys arguably have the biggest ceilings. Scooble has actually had the best spring of anybody in that group. Uh, you go to Detroit camp and everybody talks about how, what School's done, how he's thrown in the mid-90s, how he's thrown really good sh- stuff. Um, Mize obviously being you know, the number one overall pick a couple of years back, he's going to have the highest ceiling. Everybody wants to see him move the quickest, but mys had some struggles at the end of last year was coming off a shoulder issue. Um, started out the year at class a advanced, you know, probably needs a little bit more cooking at double-A uh, that some of these other names don't. And School moves pretty quickly. I mean, he was a ninth-round pick. Uh, nobody was really speaking about him going into the year. Now he's a firm top 100 prospect, and Detroit fans are asking, how quickly can we get this left-hander up to the majors? Uh, but given that he doesn't have the experience level of a Manning, a Fado, or a Wentz, I can see him holding back as well, potentially dominating, potentially moving very quickly. Maybe Mize and and Scugler are up, you know, by the end of April or even early May if they take off the way they're capable of doing. But this is going to be very fascinating. We're going to be watching this very closely when they do announce the opening assignments at both Triple A Toledo and Double A Erie in that Detroit Tigers system.
0: And strike three this week. We've got one of the highest ranked prospects in baseball as our guest on this week's episode of the Show Before the Show, and Royce Lewis from the Minnesota Twins. I think the last guy we've had on the show this highly rated, and maybe I'm forgetting somebody, um, but he is the subject of strike three, and that is Philadelphia Phillies prospect, Alec Baum, the third baseman who joined us uh, back in November from the Premier 12 tournament in Tokyo. Um, He is primed to make a pretty quick climb to the hot corner in Philadelphia, and Sam's got a tool shed piece that's up on that subject right now
1: yeah so tyler you were as involved with this as i was obviously you interviewed him for the podcast but you got to see him at team usa uh at the end of last year i was fascinated by the season that alec bohm had um five different teams he played for he played for class a lakewood they started him on the slow road even though he was a college bat uh the reason they did that was according to the phillies uh yeah he had some injury issues the year before he got hit in the knee he missed time at Williamsport they wanted him to get you know confidence and show himself at the class a level before moving him up uh, just based on his limited pro experience so far they were also focused on defensive stuff i'll get into that in a second but he started out at lakewood moved up to clearwater in pretty short order then finished out the year at a reading where we all expected him to be at the end of the year anyways so the idea of just because he started at lakewood doesn't mean they were always going to bring him on the slow road they were going to promote him when he looked ready and they certainly did that both at the first two levels uh, but then they also challenged him with a move to the arizona fall league uh, where he performed fairly well And then Team USA came calling and said, hey, we have an opening at third base. We'd like you to come over here and help us qualify for the Olympics. Obviously, that fell short. Um, But to to see him play for five different teams in a season and what was supposed to be his first full season, he's supposed to just be able to play from April to September, never mind April to when was that tournament in Tokyo over, Tyler? November, November?
0: first week in November. Uh, That's a long season. No, second week in November, I think
1: yeah, yeah. Lo- that's a long season uh for anybody and you know when i talked to him it was just like what did that do for your preparation for this season he's like oh, i was just shorter but i was playing baseball you know i was i was around the game um it didn't change that much and now he's in major league camp and performing pretty well there he doesn't have any extra base hits yet but uh he was hitting above 400 uh last time i talked to him and uh, the big question for him going forward is third base trying the phillies Kind of have an opening at third base right now. They have Gene Segura that they've played a lot at third base this spring. The question was, was it going to be him or Scott Kingery at third? They're playing Kingery at second, Segura at third, um, but neither guy is a natural third baseman. Segura, I don't think, has actually played any third base in his major league career. So, what happens, uh, you know, if Baum shows major league readiness? potentially starting out the year at AAA lehigh valley well sagura can move over to second and kingery can become kind of a uh you know roving infielder in, in a role he's done before at the major league level he's capable of playing shortstop he can he's definitely best at second base but uh they have plenty of options to make that work bomb what the way the hit tool he's shown this year, he doesn't strike out that much. Uh, I think his th- strikeout rate last year was 13.5%, which is insane for somebody his size at 6'5". That's a big strike zone that usually comes with a lot of swing and miss. Doesn't for him. Uh, it's because he's somebody who's willing to take the ball the other way. I talked to him about it. He said he hates striking out. Uh, he'd much rather put the ball in play and take his chances. So he might you know, look a little bit different with two strikes instead of the modern game. Now where it's swing as hard as you can all the time, try to get as much power as you can. Uh, That's kind of fascinating for me again, for somebody his size, I would think he would be trying to hit 40 homers in a season that day could come potentially. But right now the hit tool is ahead of the power tool. Uh, But the defensive questions are the biggest right now, right? At the end of last year at the Fall League, he split time between third base and, and first base. So I thought that was potentially going to be an option for him this year. The Phillies have said that's not the case. They're only focusing right now on third base. He's only played third base in the Great Fruit League. Uh, they like his movements over there they like his progress the the way he's done it i think a lot of times we focus on offensive improvements over a year and and that's why guys get called up is because they're hitting the, the crap out of the ball uh but sometimes they need to make those defensive adjustments as well and that's part of the reason why they started him out at lakewood they wanted to get him comfortable offensively so he could focus on the defensive end uh given the way shifts are now you can kind of cover for guys but they even like the way he's played when he's the only guy on the left side of the infield uh, the arm can work at third base Reese Hoskins is definitely going to block him at first base and this is Philadelphia we're talking about here so there's no DH that Hoskins can move over and Baum can be first baseman uh, but they like him enough defensively right now that it is a question of when, not if, he will be making his Major League debut at some point in 2020. So watch out for that, Phillies fans.
0: Hitting the crap out of the ball is going to be the title of this week's episode. Just yeah. and <laughs> Never uh, mind Royce Lewis, our interview. It's going to be hitting <laughs> the crap out of the ball. <laughs> Royce Lewis comma hitting the crap out of the ball. And with that, Royce Lewis is coming up. Uh, Sam got a chance to catch up with Royce and uh, what obviously we're gonna hear it here in a moment, but pretty cool to see Royce Lewis at this stage of the uh, of the year.
1: Yeah, and this was a really fun interview. Uh, we got into a whole wide range of topics uh, based on you know his his own fall league season uh, in which he ended on a much brighter note than he performed during the season at Class A Advance and A in the twin system. Uh, we, we talked about you know being in big league camp, being a number one overall pick. Uh, I know there's some questions about his hitting stance and how he has a big leg kick and how some people think that may have affected the hit tool a little bit. He says, you know, he talks about why he uses the leg kick and why he's going to continue to use the leg kick, which is pretty cool. Uh, just to go right into this interview, uh, we started out with a question about a home run he hit in Clearwater. Uh, I think that happened on Tuesday.
0: Onto the tiki uh, bar roof, right?
1: Onto the tiki bar roof, yeah. So if you're listening to this over the weekend and you're thinking like, what is this awesome homer uh, Sam and Royce are talking about? It was this really cool, he went deep to left uh, onto the tiki bar roof, kind of a highlight where the home run which is we don't think of Royce Lewis as a power hitter so just go look up the highlight come back to the interview know exactly what we're talking about but th- this is me sitting down with Royce Lewis in Minnesota Twins camp. What I want to start with actually is what happened yesterday with your home run in Clearwater. Take me through that at bat and I know it got shared a bunch on on highlights and stuff of you getting over the tiki bar. How much do you care about how hard and how far you hit it?
2: uh honestly right now i think it's really cool because it shows you know how much work i've put in the off season and the swing feels the same as last year just you know that extra mass and and uh i guess body weight uh amounts to how far it goes you know uh so it's actually really cool to see we went a little further um but what the coolest part for me was that i got my hands inside on that ball uh, that's something i've been working on and uh, trying to be consistent with and drive the ball on those inside pitches especially and um, you know naturally I've been doing a better job so it's, it was it was pretty exciting.
1: Yeah when you say that was what paid off the from the offseason work what was the focus of that offseason work and how did that come into play there? I know you said focusing on inside stuff but
2: <clears throat> yeah no I mean not only inside stuff just my, own, my entirety of my swing and being consistent as much as possible you know whether that's staying in my legs more or uh, you know opening my stance a little bit so I don't cross over and um, close off my hips so they to get locked out so i keep continue to roll over so you know just making those tiny adjustments here and there and fixing my hand positioning as well and um, you know i can nitpick through my whole everything <laughs> but uh, just looking over video and noticing things that we could have done better more consistent over time and then looking at the fall league and why did i succeed there you know what was the common goal there why was i consistent um, and trying to keep that going and for me, I feel really good right now. It's still really early, and right. the fact that I'm seeing the ball well and still staying on pitches and putting up some good at-bats, um, you know, it feels really good. And obviously seeing some really good pitching as well, like Blake Snell, Injun Ryu, and, uh, you know, a lot of other pitchers, and, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler, another one. Right, so, obviously. Um, just being able to see that and understand that uh, I can handle that at, at that level and now just being consistent with it and staying in my game in my approach.
1: Yeah, do those at-bats take on a higher importance for you when
2: you're facing a Wheeler and, and – Producing results like that? Uh, I mean, not the results necessarily, more for the fact of just seeing seeing the ball and um, making sure I can see it well and be on time with things and be comfortable up there. Um, you know, certain certain pitchers, you feel when you feel uncomfortable, that's when you start to automatically like oh, start freaking out, getting away from your mechanics, getting away from your you know your approach. And um, you know, for me, having an approach and staying grounded in my legs automatically looks like a way different person and swing up there and way more confident. I'm seeing you know the pitches for strikes and taking the balls and I think those things have dramatically helped from even from the fall to now I feel a lot better as well and
1: we'll get into the following it here in a little moment but one thing I want to bring up is speaking of that power the twins are coming off a historic season power wise yeah. setting a franchise record yeah how much does that change or how much does that trickle down to you guys when you know you're trying to fit into a lineup that already has tons of power
2: uh, I think everyone's got their own thing going on so I think a great example is like a Louis Arias you know he's a great really good hitter really tools he does everything very well but as far as hit tool off the charts you know that guy can bat 400 right. you know i believe in him to do that anytime whenever he wants um, and so for him he didn't get sucked into trying to hit home runs he just kept hitting and doing his thing and for a guy like that and then to get called up it shows all of us like hey you know just be yourself whoever that is if you have power great have power use it the right way if you, if you hit for a hit and hit for average then do that really well and you'll go out there and help the team out and I mean for Louis it was basically good on base for guys like Nelson and now JD and Eddie and all those Polanco everybody and let those guys drive you in and do their damage mm. and uh, you mentioned the fall league before how much momentum did that give you going into that
1: offseason
2: it was definitely fun, I'd say that. I think that was you know, some of the most fun I've had playing uh, at the professional level just because I was playing against all my buddies that I either got drafted with, played against, etc., etc., and being able to compete with them on a, a nightly basis. Uh, there's only about eight teams out there, so competing with all your buddies literally every night mm-hmm. was really cool, and and just going mono on mono, like, hey, I gotta outplay you today, you know, <laughs> kind of saying, and, um, and I think going off that, my mentality has changed to, I need to have that attitude no matter who's on the field who I'm playing against and uh, for some reason I just start mentally something happens where I just click and do a little better when the lights are on that's what we call it like quote-unquote when the lights turn on and when the lights come on it's basically like Friday night lights when you know it's you and your buddy mano mano it's like all right you know whether people are comparing you or not mentally it's like that's my buddy I gotta beat him it's just like playing video games you know and Madden or 2K or Fortnite, whatever it is, it's like, I got to beat you today. So how am I going to do that? And and just just using that competitor nature inside of you and, uh, you know, bringing that on a nightly basis is something that I'm going to carry over into the season and, uh, you know, whether I strike out four times or, or make four errors in a game or hit four homers and make four defensive junior plays, you know, whatever the case may be, however I can make my team win that day and compete. Is how I'm play.
1: Who was one of those buddies who were specifically
2: zeroing in on and saying you're the guy I need to beat while I'm here? Oh all, all of them. All of them. I mean there was like four or five guys per team, so I, I can name a whole thirty or forty players, but uh, literally just all my buddies and it's kind of just like a little bragging rights thing, you know, it's like uh like It's just having fun with those guys, man, that's for sure. And that's
1: the mentality side. What switched offensively to allow things to click? I know you said you've been watching a lot of video trying to study what happened in the fall league. What have you seen from those times?
2: Honestly, I think it was all mental, 100%. Uh, Looking at the video, my swing, people were, like, trying to compare, oh, you know, it's it's the late kick, get rid of the late kick. I feel like people were waiting for me to fail to say it's his late kick when really the failure came from me being mentally – losing my confidence or not believing in myself and how good I actually can be and trusting those abilities to where uh, I go up there sometimes not believing in myself or really doubting I'd get a hit that time and that's that's really a horrible mentality and you know I apologize to all my teammates and coaches already about it and I shouldn't have done that and it was really a a growth year mentally for me and I think that's what's going to separate you know you from a lot of guys not just myself but all these players in the minor leagues is that's how you get to the big leagues it's, it's the mental side it's not just the physical you know obviously the tools will get you to the big leagues or or to the double-a AA, triple-a right now what separates you from half the guys in double-a AA, triple-a because everyone can hit 30 homers at this point seems like everyone can bat 300 it seems like to me um everyone's got the tools now it's just mentality, approach, consistency, and those are the things I'm zeroing in on this year to try to develop and yeah, continue you, my growth. You mentioned that confidence
1: slipping a little bit last year. At what point did you feel that happening or starting to happen? Whether oh, it was here
2: in Fort Myers or Pensacola or... I mean I just put in a lot of pressure on myself because I had, you know, admirations and goals and I you know I believed in my abilities to a point where I thought I was a lot doing I could do a lot better. And uh, struggling and not being able to make those adjustments kinda hurts and I mean, that's literally, that's all it is, just not being able to make those adjustments back. And and that's on me, you know, I I figured that out and I've learned and I've grown from that. But I think that year, last year, was probably the best year I could have had because if I continued my success and then waited till the big leagues to start failing, then it would have been a really big disaster and blown up all over TV. So uh, (laughs) it's better to do it now. And that's why I think we have the minor league system.
1: And what did the twins do with you? like that promotion for instance when it seemed like maybe the numbers weren't quite there but you still got the bump to Pensacola what were they doing with you to help you stay up mentally and make sure you were capable of still doing great things like you did in 2018
2: I think honestly it was just kind of let him get through it on his on his own and try to figure it out on his own cuz you know you got to grow on your by yourself cuz when you don't have all these people around you whoever it was to help you what are you going to do then when you're alone so it's kind of just you got to figure it out on yourself and and Figure out your own stuff to make sure you can be, you know, you, at your best every each and every day. And um, you know, I can I'm gladly can say that I, I learned that and um, I strike out now and look at positives from that at bat instead of uh, striking out and thinking I uh, I suck or I'm um, you know I got to do better nice. yada yada.
1: What is a positive you can take away from a strikeout when you're watching it on video?
2: Oh, there's a lot. Uh, I struck out a lot already in the spring early on, <laughs> um, but I didn't feel like I was doing very bad. I felt like I saw the pitches, and, and you can nitpick. So I faced Blake Snell. He didn't throw me a single strike, I felt like, and I chased all these pitches out of the zone just because I was antsy, excited, you know, obviously nervous for one of my first at-bats against a, you know, a Big League Cy Young Award winner. Right. Um, you know, knowing that he's gonna have good stuff, and almost going after it instead of letting the ball come to me and getting in my zone, and um, I potentially could have walked. So that's a positive. I, I thought, like, you know what? Against Cy Young Award winner, who's obviously it's early on in spring for him as well, but for me, for me to be able to see it and recognize, like, oh, if I, if I face him again, I just gotta make him throw strikes. You know, his curveball is so nasty and really good that he can't even throw it for a strike sometimes. So you gotta make him throw it for a strike, and same with his changeup and his slider. So stuff's almost too good to be strikes and true so it's like you see it you're like oh it's got to be right down the middle and then it moves all the way back behind your back foot so uh, just learning those kind of things and and also that's what we have minor leagues for too, is getting those reps in and being able to see guys like that so that when you face those guys again you're like oh I've seen that before I know what that's gonna do that's gonna be a ball or that's gonna be a strike and it might look like it's gonna be a strike but it's gonna be a ball those kind of things and mental reps and just kind of doing it all over again and, and that helps with being consistent and approach and Knowing what you're going to do. Yeah. And let's move to the defensive side, especially in the fall league. You moved all over the place. Yeah.
1: How are you able to stay consistent offensively when you're playing a different position almost every day?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's super easy. Like I was talking about the mental side of the approach. And right. at this point, I figured out this game is probably like 95% mental to me. It feels like uh, the other 5% is just going out there having fun, political league in it, and playing with your tools. Because uh, sometimes you can't control them, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, uh, you might hit a ball 500 feet without. Purposely doing it or or you might uh, you know make an error because your arms a little bit better than you thought by accident um, but just letting those tools play out and using them to your advantage and having fun with them that's the 5% for me but the 95% mental is literally I just click all right now I'm on offensive mode doesn't matter what I was doing defensively what I did I might have made three errors that inning uh, it doesn't matter I'm about to you know be the best person I could be and compete and this that bat for my team and, and then from there you separate from base running Uh, I'm sorry, from your at-bat to your base running. It's like as soon as the ball's hit, whether it's on the ground, in the gap for a double, triple, uh, or a fly out to center or short, uh, you just got to run your butt off, you know, whatever that is, and be smart doing it. But that just for me separating those three, four categories really, because even on defense, catch the ball first, separate that, and now you got to throw. So it's like you got to learn all these things, and and then there's a lot of extra things you got to put into it as well, like runners on, who's fast, who's slow, where am I going to go? Um, just thinking about things ahead of time. It's, it's literally a mind game. It's right. really cool
1: and especially playing the outfield like you did What was that adjustment like?
2: Uh, was, for, for me, I, I was just told to be an athlete and I, I very little have played the outfield Maybe when I was younger 10 u travel ball from what I remember um, And I think it's fun when you're able to make some plays. but for me I've always said it was a little bit boring Obviously in the big leagues the ball gets hit out there a lot more but when I was in high school little league our team was, you know, blessed to be good enough to where the ball wasn't hitting the outfield too much. When I played out there, I played four games in high school. I got two fly balls, and they were very routine. And I told my dad, I'm like, man, this is kind of boring. And he's like, well, you know, you just gotta, you know, help your team out the best you can, whatever way you can. So um, for me, it was more about how am I gonna help the team today? You know, I see my name on the card. You know, my goal is to just be in the lineup, help the team out as much as possible. And if I'm not in the lineup, help the team out on the bench. And uh, you know, in the fall league, it goes cool. We got the championship and felt like I played a, a pretty big part in that team, uh, not even on the field, but off the field as well. Just having fun in the clubhouse, uh, learning from a lot of players. Uh, it was a big growth development for me, and I know it was only 22 games I played, but I think it was the most important 22 games last year for sure. Definitely.
1: And when you say all you were told to do is just be an athlete, I feel like that's so much of your skill set now is just, like, like you said, rely on those tools. How much does it help to have that base of knowing you are fast and, and cover ground, you have the hit tool, so you can focus on the mental stuff?
2: Yeah, I know. It helps a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I realized that at this point in time, you know, I'm still young and able to contribute and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's just going to make me better in my future.
1: <laughs> and uh, when, when you moved to Pensacola last year, the first taste of the upper minor, the first thing you noticed that was different being that close because a lot of times people say that's when you can really feel it being close to the major leagues so is
2: double a I still don't feel it uh <laughs> even when I play in these spring training games like we played against Bryce Harbor yesterday Reese Hoskins these guys are all you know very high level professional athletes and JD Martinez I mean I can go down Xander Bogarts there's a ton of athletes uh you know baseball players especially that have played against scene and it doesn't really hit you until after you do it um time has flied for me i mean i feel like this is already my fourth you know third full season or right. going into it and uh man i feel like i was just drafted the other day but uh no for me it's literally i just I, it's almost like you had a dream and when you when you have a dream and a goal and you expect things to happen it doesn't it's still really cool but at the same time like i expect to be there helping teams out and playing against guys like this and you know, that's my goal so how am i going to get there i got to expect it and believe in it and it all goes back to mindset again but um yeah this is it's pretty fun when you get to step back and look at like i'm on the same field as bryce harper or uh, you know jd martinez etc uh, aaron judge garrett Cole, all those guys uh, it's really
1: impressive and speaking of feeling like you got drafted yesterday obviously being the first overall pick there's only a handful of guys who can make that claim what is it like going through your career having that Do you feel like it's any different than being a normal pick or, or not normal pick but a different pick you know, what is it like going through a career as having that around on your ledger already?
2: yeah i don't i mean for me it's no different because i obviously don't know any different right. but uh i mean i treat myself like every how i want to be treated like everyone else uh you know we're just minor leaguers trying to get to the big leagues uh, whether you picked in the 40th round or the first round overall, it doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, the only difference is the money, I guess, really, you could say. <laughs> um, and people treat you different, whether that's in a, they overly nice to you or they're a little bit mean to you because they think you're going to be a different way or act a different way. And um, so their first impressions of you are, it's always tough because they kind of are getting to read you. Like, are you like one of those guys, like, I, I'm everything and I, I earned all this or... You a humble guy, you a normal guy, like just like another boy, and homie. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard to get those first impressions with some teammates. But uh, now I'm three years in, get to know all these guys, uh, they're all my brothers, my homies, and uh, we just have a lot of fun playing the game. Man, that's all I want to do at the end of the day is win and be part of the team. And what is it like going back home after the, a moment like that? It's normal. I mean, <laughs> I, I went back to my high school practice with my high school team. Uh, I go back to. Well, I didn't go to college, but I go to the college I was going to go to and practice and have a lot of fun. And I have a good relationship with all the coaches and and, uh, teammates I would have had or teammates I did have. And we just continue to talk. It's just normal, man. I mean, I feel like there's no difference, literally, except for the money. And people bring it up to me a lot, which (laughs) which kind of bothers me. But, uh, you know, some people don't realize California taxes hurt a lot. So it's not like I got as much as they think I did. it's also why I moved to Texas. But, oh, there you go. Yeah. Sorry for not knowing this off the top of my head. No, what school can. were you uh, gonna go to? Uh, U.C. Irvine. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, California. Irvine. Yeah.
1: All right, nice. Yeah. Um, so one other thing I want to talk about is speaking of that draft. Obviously, the Twins were first overall pick when you got. So yes, now they're the AL Central favorites, more or less, coming off a division title. No doubt. What is the growth you've seen in this organization? over the last four years? It all starts with the
2: people and the personnel, no doubt. Uh, You know, we got the – I honestly – I don't know every other organization, but I honestly personally can say that we all have been treated very well here. Uh, The people that you'll meet in this organization are the nicest ever. Uh, They treat you with the utmost respect, and they really have high quality of person here. And I think it just carries on to the field. And we're all nice and being teammates and rooting for each other, um, having fun doing it and then at the end of the day too we got a lot of talent so so that helps too but when you have you know high level you know people mixed with high level athletes it's it's pretty impressive and that's what we got going on here and just having a lot of fun doing it too man so we got some comedians on the team or some jokes there's not always keeps you you know uplifting and having fun but um, just going out and playing and doing that at a high level and then off the field treating people with the utmost respect, is, it's important to us. So,
1: hmm. Speaking of having a loaded Major League roster, that Pensacola team was very good, obviously, with you, Kirilov, Larnik, at the end of the year. You guys are kind of the core of the farm system now from a hitting perspective. How much do you guys talk about trying to break through, and how do you look at the Major
2: League roster and say, how do I fit in here? Honestly, we, we, try, we, we don't really... You know, we can't think about what we can do or, oh, let, you know, let's all go up together at this point. Like, we can't control any of these things. I think it would be really cool if we did, for sure. Um, you know, you've seen it before with the Bryants and the Rizzo's and, um, you know, even the Astros a while back with Correa and Gregman and Altuve all coming up at the same time, kind of very similar. Um, Springer as well, creating championships with those young core, um, mixing with some veteran players and leadership. It's, it's very impressive, and I think that's something that this year they, they can go out and do no matter what. Um, and, you know, for us, I feel like it'd be a blessing if we were able to get up there and participate and, you know, help uh, achieve a goal of winning a World Series. And going back to what, something you were
1: talking about before with mechanics, you talked about the leg kick. Some people have said that you, it might be a problem. You don't seem to think <laughs> it is. What, what advantage does the leg kick give you?
2: That's just how I move. I, I don't think really there is any advantage because I think you see guys like Pujols that barely pick up their leg, their, their toe, they'll toe tap and hit a home run 550 feet uh, and then you see guys with like Baez or or people that slide into it and I mean it's literally just how you feel and how you're comfortable and I'm really uncomfortable when I don't have a leg kick or if they try to make me do certain things or uh, shorten the leg kick or something, that's just literally how I move, I feel the most comfortable. And, I think you know that's how you got to keep it if you're an athlete uh, as soon as you try to make an athlete try to do something that they're not uh, it puts them in an uncomfortable position and i learned the hard way last year (laughs) Um, but this year going forward it's like i know this is how i move and that's how i feel comfortable so now how am i going to you know fine tune that and keep it more consistent and as much as i can you know obviously so that i can stay consistent during the game
1: and we'll end on this one when you're looking forward to 2020 Coming off what you had last year, how would you define a su- successful third full season?
2: Staying healthy, you know, working hard as possible, learning as much as possible, and uh, at the same time trying to get a championship wherever I'm at. You know, if it's Pensacola or Rochester, or Fort Myers, wherever, wherever they put me, I honestly could care less. E-town, I've never been there, <laughs> so I'd have a good time there. But uh, or the big leagues, you know, whatever it is, just help, participate, and trying to achieve a goal, of winning a championship. So, uh, you know, I think. At the big league level, they're definitely going to have the opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, I'm hoping for the best for them. And then, uh, you know, throughout the minor league system, our, our system's very stacked in my league. we got pitching and hitting combined, and we have a lot of fun playing the game that we love, and we're going to have a good chance of getting the championship there, too.
0: Big thanks to Royce Lewis for joining us on this week's show. And uh, final segment, obviously there are a whole lot of just gigantic topics that are dominating the headlines uh, around the world, and we are not exempt to that in any way. Certainly Sam is already uh, at a uh, a spring training trip in which – a couple of days ago Major League Baseball announced that uh, clubhouses will now be closed to the media um, that is probably the first of many steps that not only Major League Baseball but uh, all other leagues that are currently in uh, progress are going to take today we're recording this on Wednesday the 11th the NCAA has announced that uh, it's postseason events including the March Madness tournament on the men's and women's side will be held without fans um, this is a, a very uneasy time and certainly we uh, aren't going to speculate about anything we don't have information about how uh, the minor league's future calendar could be affected, um, but we we are very mindful of the fact that you're probably tuning into this at least somewhat to get an escape from all of that, but we still owe you a discussion on what's going on.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, Tyler basically hit on all the points there in that there is Stole no— Stole them all from you. It's I mean, that's fine. I, <laughs> I did enough talking in the, the first segment, and then I did the interview in the second, so I think everybody's sick of my voice at this point. <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean the the decisions that are getting made, we're hearing now about you know games being moved in, in Seattle uh, to other locations and uh, you know the governor of Washington asking that all sporting events basically not happen uh, in March minor league opening day as i mentioned in the previous segment isn't until april uh it's much later than the major league season we'll see what's
0: going to happen this year i believe correct right
1: yeah um it's a long ways away decisions you know will be made tune into your local teams see what they're discussing see what they're saying um but as things stand right now you know no decisions have been made on that point i know tacoma i'm sure people in tacoma are waiting to find out uh about the Rainier year status, and then you know by April, who knows how far this is going to go? Um, but we'll we'll see what's going to happen. Um, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be still covering minor league baseball right up until opening day, uh, getting you guys set for this, and, and acting like you know there's still a season to be played in, until there isn't, uh, or you know games to be played until there isn't. I don't think they the season's going anywhere, but uh, w- we'll see what's going to happen here. Uh, we'll we'll be keeping a close eye on it, just as you guys are just a general note um you know please take care of yourselves uh you know wash your hands do what you need to do to to feel safe in this time it, it is a kind of scary time when you hear about all that's going on right now and know that these decisions are being made not just with uh you know fans best health in mind i guess um but it's at everybody's you know if somebody gets sick and it, and it spreads and it somebody gets sick from even though they weren't at a game you know that's that's how these things spread that's what the definition of a pandemic is is that it spreads quickly and these decisions are being made so to stop that from happening um so if we hear more information we'll bring it to you guys on our show like we always do um but yeah keep them peeled to your local teams otherwise to find out exactly what's going to be happening in the the weeks to come
0: And that will do it for this week's episode of The Show Before the Show. From uh, Florida is Sam. I, as of right now, am headed to Arizona on Sunday. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing that on the back end of a broadcasting trip to uh, Columbus, Ohio this weekend. So, fingers crossed uh, that uh, that event goes forward. Um, And, yeah, just uh, take care of yourselves and be kind to each other. And uh, thanks for tuning in, as always. For Sam, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, 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 oh,